You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 29, twice up. Chicago, a criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show that spends all afternoon staring at the sun. <laughs> I am Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. I'm Raven Perez. And uh, we are back again for a brand new episode. This episode, of course, we'll be talking about the uh, latest issue of Savage Dragon, I believe 194. Yeah, it's a killer issue. I can't wait oh, to yeah. talk about it. Oh yeah, we're going to 180 it, I think. Second <laughs> issue in this bold new direction. But before we get to that, let's talk about some Eric Larson news. First thing up, uh, since our last FinCast, Eric has since posted the covers to Savage Dragon 198 and 199 on Facebook and I believe Twitter. If you haven't seen them, check it out. We'll try to get it on uh, SavageDragonFan.net. But uh, the best place to probably is to go, just go to Larson's Facebook page. Um, 198 looks like it's carrying on a theme that we're going to see in issue 194 with some kind of like demon creatures that are attacking Malcolm. And uh, I guess they're coming out of the ground and like it looks like a bunch of hands pulling them down into the ground. And then 199 looks like it continues that story with some kind of giant demon attacking uh, Malcolm and... uh, his girlfriend Maxine and a bunch of other demons kind of like terrorizing the city. So it's a pretty cool looking cover. Definitely check it out. And it's just intriguing that, you know, when you look back at all the covers that Eric's posted for, for the issues that aren't yet out yet. So 195 through 199, there aren't any new, like old familiar characters. It's all new characters. And I kind of wasn't expecting that leading up to 200 i thought maybe at least one of these covers would have dart and we'd be seeing like dart in the vicious circle you know kind of gearing up towards issue 200 and we're not seeing that which is kind of cool it seems like you know i think 195 has another kind of new red villain i don't know his name but he's like attacking uh, malcolm and then uh there's that other cover with malcolm looks like some kind of like vampire creature and then we're coming on to these two covers with these demon creatures. So I love it's definitely, it. yeah, it's definitely something something I didn't see coming. And, well, I gotta and, say, I'm not surprised that he's not going back to the well on established characters. The impression I've gotten all along is that he wanted to make a clean break, at least, you know, presentation-wise. Just to yeah, show that it this makes is, sense. This is Malcolm's era, not his dad's. I think after 200, we'll start to see more of the old guard start get reintegrated. You, you think we'll see Dart again? I think I don't think I honestly don't think we're going to see the vicious circle till after two hundred, or at least not front and center. Yeah, that makes yeah. good sense. It's weird though. I mean, we're getting these like established 
I mean, well, these new characters, and they almost feel like they're established characters in a way because you're not getting any backstory, at least with the issue we're going to talk about today with this uh, this guy. Uh, what's his name? The guy Torment. 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 He seems like he's like an established character in a way. And uh, we'll talk about that more as we do the summary of the issue. But And then we had that other guy, Tantrum, who seemed like you know there was kind of no explanation about where he came from either. Um, so I wonder if these, all these kind of villains that we're going to be seeing are tied together somehow. I like uh, the, if if in fact they're going for demonoids. I like the I, well, I love the idea actually that the demonoids were introduced in a little like flashback, and then the idea of them pursuing Malcolm, you know, as he continues to age, it's a slick trick to make it seem like they've been there all along, right? When in fact they're new, and that's awesome. Yeah. 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 So they're really cool covers. I think you know. It, well, I like 199. I, I kind of like 198, but I think the backgrounds are like really boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't like yellow. A lot of yellow in all these color covers. <laughs> Have you noticed that all the covers, like the the colors for the Savage Dragon logo, just alternate between purple and red? I had not noticed back that. and forth. Yeah, they they haven't. It's they're either you know the purple Savage Dragon with like the red background or red Savage Dragon with a purple background, and it just alternates between each issue. But those are the only two colors he uses. Yeah, it's I like it. I mean, I think like the you know the yellow, the red. I mean, it all really looks great. Like the you know green of Malcolm. I think it's really good. Like complimentary anyway. He yeah. said he's going to switch it up later on to where, you know, he messes around with all of the colors available to make it work. But, I mean, you know, these are new issues for a new audience, allegedly. So it's good to have some consistency, at least initially. Right. Right. Yeah. So what do we got well, for the next? Uh... Moving on, we've got uh, Gary Carlson and Frank Fosco news, uh, which is almost like Eric Larson news. Uh, there to create a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle short story for the IDW 30th anniversary 48-page TMNT one-shot. That will be a I can never pronounce this word. Cavalade. Cavalcade. Cavalcade. Yeah, it'll be a cavalcade of all new <laughs> short stories from the top talents that brought us the rich Ninja Turtle world over the last 30 years. Uh, each story is inspired by a different era of turtles, and will feature a, a unique look. Uh, the creators that will be included will be <laughs> Peter Laird, Gary Eastman, Dean Claren, Chris Allen, Gary Carlson, Frank Fosco, Jim Lawson, Tom Waltz, and Dan Duncan. Uh, the expected release date will be May twenty eighth. I'm super hype about this because I get to read new Jim Lawson-drawn Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, who is my Turtles artist. <laughs> School me. <laughs> Put him in context. Jim Lawson did all of the um, Volume 4 stuff that started in 2001 that ran through 2005. It kind of is went... that the Image era? Oh, no. Post no, it's past that. Post-Image. It, in, it's the series right after, right? Yeah, it unfortunately ignored Image. The, the idea went that Volume 1 and 2 were canon... Volume 3, Image Turtles were not, and then Volume 4 picked up uh, real-time after uh, Volume 2, which is which was really kind of cool, actually, because uh, you get to see Shadow grow up and all that stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, I, 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 of course, watched the cartoons as a kid, and 
growing up, I realized, I knew there were Turtles comics, and when I started reading comics regularly, the new Ninja Turtles uh, series was launching, so I picked up on it. And for a couple of years there, it was easily one of my favorite comics. It, it was written by exclusively by P- Peter Laird and drawn by Jim Lawson, and they just made some really good comics. Unfortunately, when work started on the CGI Ninja Turtles movie back in like 2004... Uh, the comic went on hiatus and never really picked back up. Yeah. Which was unfortunate. And then it got sold to Viacom and the rest is history. Well, I'm super stoked to read the Gary Carlson, Frank Fosco story because, you know, it's been so long since that image uh, series ended and just, it's just be a neat little throwback, you know, uh, I have good memories of reading that series. Yeah. Um, just based on this, it looks like they're probably going to have comics from Volume 1, 2, and 3, and 4, all four. Plus, uh, well, I also read the um, solicitation previews, and it's going to have uh, the Archie Ninja Oh, it's going to have the Archie Turtles in there, too? Yeah. That's cool. There was, suppo- yeah. there was supposed to be an, a miniseries of that that got canceled when during the, the shake-up being sold to Viacom. No kidding. It's supposed to be a hmm. sequel to that past imperfect arc or the future ninja turtles i don't know i never read it but it looked cool <laughs> i mean the archie version lasted a long time didn't yeah it? it did a whole yeah and they had some cool things going on didn't they have like Raphael as like an all-black turtle at one point and yeah that yeah weird stuff and it, it kind of reminded me of like kind of a sonic the hedgehog long you know all ages long lasting series yeah i mean if it was still on if it's still going if, if it was still going it probably would be as well regarded as the sonic series is yeah. As an all ages action book, yeah. man. Now I'm imagining Ninja Turtles written by Ian Flynn. That'd be so good. What's it gonna be? It sounds like a killer. Like this sounds like a killer like collection. I mean, you gotta imagine like you know Eastman and Laird probably gonna put their classic spin on it. It's hard to imagine they won't be like you know. I like you know you're, that's kind of like my exposure to comic turtles first was the. Uh, Super heavily shaded, like they murdered Shredder in the very first story. Oh, so you read the original books, the original comics? Only, only in trade. Oh. So I wasn't there on the ground floor, like, you know, a real, but like... But before you watched the cartoons? Um, I watched the cartoons and was exposed to that book, like, almost simultaneously. There you go. So, for me, like, they're just different versions. Like, you know, there's all these different versions of Turtles. That's kind of like, I just grew up accepting that right yeah so i don't know it's cool i hope they all all sort of get to do their own thing it's just amazing to me as 30 years old what turtles in general yeah yeah Yeah. makes me feel old (laughs) middle-aged ninja turtles (laughs) all right well shall we keep this uh train moving trucking right along looks like uh travis singaus and i'm real sorry if i said that wrong has been named as an artist for one of the Savage Dragon 200 backups. And that's uh, pretty sweet. Eric confirmed that via Twitter, that he's a relative comics newcomer. He's going to be drawing a backup in Savage Dragon 200. And uh, you can look at his work on Travis's Twitter. Uh, it's at Travis Sengaus. It's T-R-A-V-I-S-S-E-N-G-A-U-S. Of course, we'll have links under the FinCast and on Dragon Fan so that you can check that out. 
But, uh, yeah, when you look at his work, it's got, I mean, even though he's a newcomer, there's definitely some magic there. It's kind of like Humberto Ramos-esque, isn't it? That's that's what I wrote down in my notes for the show. That was the first thing that came to mind. And we all know how much Eric likes Humberto's uh, artwork, so I could see why he would kind of tap this guy to, to draw. But that was the first thing I said. It's, it's funny that you say that, but I think it's, it's uh, pretty obvious. There's another artist that I am struggling to remember the name of just offhand. Oh, it's uh, Bingo Got It. It's Sean Cheeks Galloway. Cheeks being his nickname. Mm-hmm. If Humberto and Cheeks had a love child, it would be Travis. And that's a compliment in every way. Those are both like killer, killer artists. Yeah, so yeah. I can't wait to see this backup. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, uh, I like his take and... Uh, I went through and looked at his Twitter, and he's got a blog spot, a blog which is also it's uh, Travis Sengos at uh, no sorry Travis Sengos dot blogspot dot com, and that really has a lot of his art there. So uh, we'll post that too as well. But um, pretty cool stuff. Very cool. I'm so excited. at this at this point, what do we know about two hundred? Chris Burnham is going to be doing a backup art. We know. Uh, this guy, Travis Sengos, is doing a backup. I think, I don't know if it was confirmed, but is Frank Fosco and Gary Carlson doing a backup, like a Vanguard backup or something? Didn't they say no, that was, at one point? It was hinted at, so. And you got to imagine probably Adam's strip thing is going to be in there in some way. Right. Yeah. So that's a plethora of sweet little, you know, cameos. And maybe, uh, I'm sure... Gavin will get a tail in there. Maybe it's teamed up with one of those artists. or Oh, if him and uh, Scott didn't have a tail, I would be 100% surprised. <laughs> I'd yeah, just be shocked. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they've been doing so good anyway. Yeah, so that's right around the corner, guys. We're at 194 now, so talking about six months, yep. maybe a little more. It's pretty amazing. Fun nine. Fun fact, yeah. uh, Larson's 199, or wait, what did he say? Like, which one's the real 200 if you count the miniseries? This, he said, I thought he said this issue, because if you count it as a five, the one he's working on now, uh-huh. because he expanded his original miniseries to five issues when he came out with the dragon, member And he added all those extra pages. So yep. technically 195 is actually 200. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah. Um, so moving right along, um, we got trivia this episode. Um, let's go back to last episode's uh, episode twenty-eight's question. Uh, my my question back then was uh, name one of the two artists that both passed away before starting the Mighty Man series they agreed to do. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> but it's still a cool. I, I thought it was a cool trivia question. Thought it was really weird. I had no idea what the answer to this was. Oh, me either. Well, I had no always known um, Gil Kane, and I just gave it away. But anyway, um, the other one I didn't really realize, and we'll talk about now. But uh, we had two people write in. Uh, uh, Mitchell Fefe uh, wrote. Um, he actually contacted me via Twitter and said. Yes, Mike Parobeck and Mike Rowingo, Waringo, uh, 
And he said, also, thanks for the Cobra nod on the new episode. Oh, we'll nod has... Cobra all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah uh, uh, Mitchell has his Cobra comic, and uh, it's really nice that he actually listens to our podcast, I think, almost every episode, because he always kind of answers the trivia. Um, but Mike Parabic was not correct. Uh, Mike Waringo was correct. Mike Parabic, if you remember... Um, he drew the Batman adventures, like the Bruce Tim cartoon. The, okay. He drew the comic version he of that. Drew, uh, what was it? Yeah, the uh, drew... Amazing Spider Boy for Amalgam Comics. Oh, really? Yeah, that was a good issue. Okay. He, he did the Fly for Impact Comics, which was like Archie's like superhero uh, print that that came out for a while in the nineties. Okay. He had that real kind of like animated style. Well, he had his uh, original series, Telos, too, right? Oh, you're talking about where That was where Ringo. Yeah. I'm oh. talking about Mike Parabek, who was actually not not one of the guys that – he was wrong, but I'm just giving you a little backstory on that. But he had done uh, Batman Adventures. It would have been cool to see him do a, a Mighty Man, but that was the wrong answer. It was Mike Waringo and Gil Kane. Ah. Um, but yes, uh, Ringo – for short, he he actually posted on his blog some images of Savage Dragon characters that are pretty cool. And I went back to try to find them, and I haven't seen them since. But it was like a Mighty Man and Savage Dragon and maybe Star or something. Or oh, man, I can't that remember. That would have been sweet. Yeah, and they were really cool looking. But he had that great run on Fantastic Four, too. Talos right. was cool. Um, so... Uh, so uh, the other person that answered the trivia was Nick, our pal Nick Justice. Nick wrote, hey, guys, I remember the two prospects uh, for art on a, on a Mighty Man miniseries were Gil Kane and Mike Waringo. I've always been a huge Gil Kane fan and may have possibly given my left nut to have him draw any of Eric's characters in a book. I think he did draw a dragon pinup in either issue 100 or one of the other thicker issues. I've always been... I was always a sucker for those Superman and Adam thick annuals that he drew for DC back in the 80s. As far as Ringo, I remember attending a lecture he did at Virginia Commonwealth University my sophomore year. This was like 1998-99. It was pretty dang cool as I believe he was an alumni. The hall was packed and he did a Q&A. He was just an all-around talented, great guy and artist. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Nick actually got it right. It was a and it's pretty cool. I wish I would have gotten to meet uh, Ringo before he passed. Maybe got a sketch or something. Fun fact: before I ever read about you know moment to moments and you know time, you know as it relates to panels and sequential art, Waringo did a sweet uh, Wizard magazine uh, tutorial where he was talking about how to think of time as it relates to a panel sequence. And yeah. that's I really – that really helped me. I think I might have read that. Yeah, little clock drawn over each panel. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Fantastic. The guy was just a kick-ass cartoonist. Yeah, and I mean I, just a little footnote on that Mighty Man story. As you remember – I don't know if you do remember. I forget what issue it was in, but Eric was like, you know, I really wanted Gil Kane to draw this story and, it, you know – 
unfortunately he passed away and in the back of one of the issues he printed all of his or a bunch of his layouts if not all of his layouts for the for the mighty man serial and what happened was uh mark englert took those and took just took it upon himself to draw the story or at least the first chapter of the serial or something like that and uh eric saw what mark had done with the layouts and contacted him and the rest was history and mark engler ended up doing the story i had no idea wait so the the mighty man backup was the story that he wanted the other two to do i at least the one gil kane was supposed to do and i think it is probably the same story but yeah yeah eric drew a bunch of layouts and you know it fell through and because of you know at least the one for gil kane fell through because because he passed away so right I forget what issue it is. Someone maybe someone can write in and tell us what what issue it's in. But if you look, there's a bunch of uh, Eric gives a little story behind it and gives and prints all you know a bunch of the layouts. So at the time, you know, like I said, Mark Englert was just another fan who was you know just uh, I don't know cutting his teeth and he uh, took it upon himself to draw it. Sweet. That's kind of yeah. a crazy origin of him. <laughs> yeah. So um, trivia winner is Nick Justice, and he's going to get uh, the variant to Savage Dragon 165, which was made for the Flying Colors comic book store. It's Dragon versus Captain – what is it? Captain Four Color or whatever it is. The guy that looks like a comic book store mascot. Yeah. He looks <laughs> – <laughs> I like him. I'm teasing. Um, so this episode's question, I'm kind of throwing a softball out there. Um, Raven, you got an extra copy of uh, the McFarlane variant, the Savage Dragon 193 that you wanted to offer up, right? With such great ease. And I felt like <laughs> such a jerk because I was like, oh, yeah, I just bought it for a buck. I don't even care. And you guys were <laughs> like, what? That's so rare. So many people had to struggle and die. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'll give it away to someone who deserves it. So I got – it's kind of a softball question. So if you guys are listening and you want that McFarlane variant, which is kind of rare. You see him going on Facebook and uh, eBay for like 15 bucks at least when it first came out. Um, I think you had to order like five issues of uh, 193 to get it. My comment guy told me 15. Uh, I think he's lying. He's full of crap anyway. Hope he's gonna who orders 15 copies of Savage Dragon? <laughs> Ooh, sick burn. Burn. Reverse burn. Any, 15 so anyway. <laughs> what was that? I said 15 stores. <laughs> so, uh, what? I said terrible. <laughs> this, um, this month's question is, uh, the last major change in direction with Savage Dragon occurred back in issue 76 with the Savage World story. Larson has stated that the Savage World direction was influenced by a DC comic book. The title character also made unofficial appearances throughout that story arc. What DC comic influenced the Savage World story arc? You can send your responses to savagefincast at gmail.com. We'll sing your praises on the next episode of the FinCast. One winner will be chosen from all the correct entries, and we'll get the McFarlane variant to Savage Dragon 193. And I will give a hint. It is Nort. The dog Green Lantern. Oh, God. <laughs> no, <it's> Nort. 
<laughs> it's not. It's not. Although he should have been in the movie. Would have saved it. Did he ever have his own uh, comic? Oh, I don't know. Did he? <laughs> God forbid. Although, you know, I guess crazier things have happened. Hell yeah. So let's get to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. It's what the people want to hear. Savage Dragon 194. What an issue. Yeah. Good. Can I tell you how happy I am about this issue after 193? Because we, that's, that's I felt bad talking. after the last podcast. I just, I didn't really enjoy 193 like I had hoped. And this comic made up for it plus some. Oh, yeah. I think, like, basically, if you played the previous podcast in reverse, it will be this podcast. <laughs> or it will just be satanic messages. <laughs> or both. It could be both. No, it's awesome. Go ahead. Take it away, man. Well, first I want to say, I know we talked about it in the news last episode that, you know, Eric kind of started a Jack Kirby fan group on Facebook. And I think, you know, he's been pretty active in it and we going back and forth. And we, we know that he's always been a Jack Kirby fan. We know he's influenced by Jack Kirby. But I think by him just having these conversations about Jack art and about Kirby's art and just talking about it and people like interacting with it. It's a pretty active forum. I think it's really rubbing off on his newer kind of issues. I mean, you see it from the cover. I mean, everything in the inside, which we'll talk about just, it's got just a whole, it just seems like it's just got a lot of, and not, not that he's never had energy and life to his books, but it, it almost seems like he's just refreshed. Yeah, I don't know if that's the correct word, but it just I, to me it seems like it has something to do with all this kind of Kirby discussion and stuff. It just does. I don't know why, but it's all those zip lines and action. I mean, the cover of this is awesome. This this torment character is just a cool looking design. A lot of energy Being, to it. Yeah, you could just feel like Malcolm getting swung around. Just just looking at it, it looks like he's just getting whipped around, bashed into the side of a building, which just looks awesome. Just just the whole background looks neat. It's just classic Larson at his best. Yeah, I, I love all the uh, high-flying stuff in this issue. I mean, like, when him and Torment really start, like, fighting, they're just flinging each other all over the damn city. And it's yeah. great. <laughs> I think and this issue has everything a classic Savage Dragon at its best issue has. You know, between awesome backups, you know, features, between the fights, between some of the humor. Um, just an amazing issue. So it, I'm just really thrilled with it. It's impressive that it is mostly a fight. And yet, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good, like, story and entertainment. There, It's not just a, you know, fight. But this issue is mostly a fight. And yet, there's still, you know, good storytelling and character moments and stuff in there. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it's, we'll talk about it. But there's, you know, the flashback, you get a lot of kind of background information on Malcolm. You get, you know... You see him interacting with, you know, this that college kid, uh, what's his name, Lamar, and, and just you get a little feeling more of a background on Lamar and, and, you know, his interaction. And even with uh, Officer Stewart, you learn a little bit more about uh, Malcolm's relation with uh, the police force. So, you know, I don't want to – we'll talk as we go through it, but um, 
I think there's a lot of things that you learn in this issue that that's more than just the fight and the the cool thing is that Eric's able to kind of give you an action-packed issue and still fit these like little nuggets in and not make it seem like it's just one big dumb fight or something like that you know yeah it's the pacing is fantastic I love how this issue kind of opens up again with another flashback. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's going to be an ongoing thing through this uh, the first arc. you got to think we're two issues into a graphic novel. So, like, you know, theme-wise, it would make sense. Like, it'd be kind of weird to stop doing a mid-graphic novel. So yeah. you could probably expect it at least, what, another three issues? Right. Which I'm down for, because I, I, I'd like to see more of, like, Malcolm in Dimension X and uh, other things we never really got to see because Malcolm was sort of out of the picture. Yeah, and, and we're seeing these kind of, in these flashbacks, these new villains. You know, last issue was, what, what were they called? The Worm Gang or something? The Worm Ring. This issue, it looks like it's oh, the I just Demonoid got that. Army. I just got that pun. <laughs> It's like ringworm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this issue is the demonoid army, and I can't. Were we on air or, or not when you were saying uh, Raven how it's cool how you can have these new characters introduced in these flashbacks, but make it feel like they've been around because it's a flashback. And yeah, we were on, and uh, I, it's a great narrative device. Um, it's it's funny because it's. It's smooth, kind of subtle. It's not really a retcon. It's just saying, here are these people that have been minor players up to this point. But this right. is their past experience. Yeah, they didn't just really come out of but nowhere. But here, here, here's the thing to keep in mind about this flashback. This flashback is taking place in the old Image universe. Yeah, right. right. That was just eaten by Universo. Right. So it's entirely possible that these demonoids, this event occurred there, and now it's not occurring until later in the savage world right 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 oh yeah you're right Jeez, i totally glazed over it so as the demonoids are woken up by something or something they and came that, out of the ground yeah. then you know there's different circumstances where like they're... something sebastian kane uh conded or glom or something that just they never bothered to camp come out yeah, yeah. Or maybe something like Universal arriving woke him up or something. Ooh, you know, and if if you put actually hold your thought real quick, I'm just gonna throw out. Sure. If you look at the dude on the cover of 199, yep, he actually looks like a wimpier version of yeah. the dude from the big double page spread. He's got the same horn structure, but one thing I did notice is that both covers, uh, 98, and 99, all the monsters all have four fingers, but here they all have five. Uh, yeah. So, who knows? Yeah, that could just be... You know. yeah. Sorry to cut you off, Craig. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I talk too much. But anyway. no, I like what I like <laughs> about this flashback is we get to go back and we, we see these characters in another universe without really telling us that, you know... Sorry, I, I got lost my train of thought. It's like, <laughs> it never really says that this is another universe to the new audience, but to us in the old audience, you recognize things like Mighty Man's old logo. Right. And... Dark Lord. That's true. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't really matter to the new readers. It doesn't, That's really. That's the cool thing. Um, yeah, they're not well, going to be like, wait a minute, what? Right, right. It just works. The one thing uh, we were talking about before, which kind of just dawned on me, was um, these episodes of these flashbacks kind of keep the old fans 
happy as well because one thing we said oh you know there's all these new characters uh, new villains and you know we don't think that you know vicious circle is going to appear until after 200 or at least you know jim you you brought that up because you know eric's trying to show that this is a new you know a a new kind of uh, direction and uh the one thing that's kind of cool is that we're actually seeing more of these older characters than ever before with these flashbacks with you know, Mighty Man and Rapture and Super Patriot and Stevenson. Um, and it's kind of a way to keep old fans happy at the same time because it's always cool to kind of revisit these characters. Um, While introducing newbies to the idea like Malcolm was raised by, you know, weirdos. parallel dimensions of himself and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are the kind of things I would have thought you would have seen as like a backup to fill in Malcolm's kind of... Uh, uh, backstory, you know, Front back ups. in the day before I knew that Malcolm <laughs> was going to take over the book, but it's really cool to get these. I enjoy, I enjoy, you know, revisiting the old image universe. I have real fond memories of those issues. So it's, it's really enjoyable. Yeah. It's awesome. These front ups. Fantastic, Jim. They, they're good. I hope they continue at least for, like I said, a book's worth. Well, I, I, now that I'm rereading it, I'm kind of thinking, remember the first one kind of gave us Malcolm and Dragon. This one kind of gave yep. us Malcolm and Rapture. Yep. I mean, if they do a Dimension X ones, it could be Malcolm and Angel. So Right, right, if right. It, if it's kind of establishing his relationships, it could keep going for a little bit longer. Yeah, definitely. I also, about- it, it's cool as a narrative device to have people expect it to be a flashback, and then you never know when he's going to drop something new in these flashbacks. So it's a really great, like, narrative tool. Right. Like, some revelation we didn't know yet. So good stuff all around. Yeah, definitely. Um, how about that first double splash page? And I don't think we mentioned this, but Eric drew this issue, what he calls twice up, and I believe that's twice as... Was it twice as wide and twice as tall or not so much? Basically two times the size that he normally works. So I think like he worked – most normal artists work like 11 by 17. Mm-hmm. And this would be like what? Twice that? You see a picture of him holding it on Facebook and it's in Yes. It's huge. And I think you know he's able to get a lot more detail and I think he's working more of the brush with his inks now or something. Yeah. And, well, I have uh, to say, I noticed the line work seemed a little bit more defined this this month. It's yeah, nice. it's gorgeous. It's really nice, and it doesn't seem to be slowing him down any. So, yeah, he did say on Facebook, like, you know, I, I think he enjoys doing it this way, but he said he's not always going to be able to because there's going to be times when he likes to, you know, lay out his issues and pencil his issues on the road. Right. Or they're on a plane or whatever, and they said that the boards are just too big. But my God, that first that first double page, even that first splash is gorgeous with Rapture uh, on the front and center. And then you turn the page, and that huge demonoid thing is just like incredible. Yeah, you gotta. It's funny because you gotta think like there's only like 22 pages or 24 or whatever to fill with the main story. Yeah, you get two double-page spreads, a single splash page, and yet it doesn't really feel like you're short on pages. Oh, it's no, because awesome. – well, and as you go along, like you look at the fight scene, you get like a nine-panel fight scene. So that, you know, 
you know one page with nine panels. So I mean, he's all over the place on this issue, and it's ama- It's just fun. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's funny because I think when you read a lot of mainstream stuff. Uh, and I think we've talked about this in past fincasts that like they don't necessarily have a great fight balance all the time. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of sometimes they write for the trade more than the issue. So it's a really like it's always impressive when he does this, which is to, you know, that is to say, load an issue down with fighting and yet still tell plenty of story without you really feeling it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's awesome. How in that flashback? How funny is it? Like the total like uh, mighty man. Like he's so like oblivious in a way. Is that like, his deal? Because I kind of was wondering how he kind of went along with all this Dark Lord nonsense. Well, I think it's Dart at the time, right? I forget who Mighty Man is at this time, but I mean his he he's I think doesn't his like personality change though when it turns into like a mighty man i don't know he just I turns into like so. the boy scout type and he's just you know malcolm's mom dies in that you know rapture gets squashed in that scene yeah. and he's like oh my god you know my mom's dead and then he's like things aren't always what they seem malcolm is what mighty man says to him and then he goes after he saved malcolm he's like but first what do you say to me for getting you out of harm's way and it's like can you be <laughs> any more insensitive well <laughs> Dark Lord has mind control powers, right? I don't know if that was. I, I, I don't I'm not think sure that it's was ever been established, established. Or yeah, I, I can't remember. say either. I, I think I he kind just... of thought that was his whole thing. Is he like started the Covenant of the Sword cult and like kidnapped and brainwashed all these alternate dimension superheroes? I just took it as he brainwashed them as like any other cult leader would brainwash right. not with any kind of powers but with well, I could and I don't think that. even as a reader we still know if he's really a good guy or a bad guy honestly well yeah this whole issue deal here is that he's trying to save the world from Universo right that's why he's like working with the government to like keep the superheroes like in tip top shape yeah and he's got multiple versions of superheroes until Dragon dimensions. fucked it up <laughs> as he does so, uh, what did you guys think of the the torment character? He's fantastic. After this flashback, we go like straight into like the fight. I love the uh, gimmick of like the different like you know shape word balloons and fonts and stuff. In fact, the lettering on this whole thing is great. Like the sound effects look better than ever. I yeah. I didn't even notice that they're not hand drawn really that much. But, like, the way Torment had that whole dual, like, sound effect, like, uh, his evil word balloons were all wobbly and he had a different font. Oh, it's just good. <laughs> it's a great character. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to where the heck he comes from. Because he kind of looks like a demon guy with, like, those tusks things sticking out of his chin. And he's got this weird, like, medieval getup. So, like, what what's his deal? I kind of got the impression when... Malcolm talks to Captain Stewart that he's kind of been a menace lately. Yeah. Like he's been around because he knows about because Stewart knows about his affliction. Right. And right. how the heads work. Yeah. So I don't know. That, that's the way Stewart kind of is treating him like he's an established uh, pain in their butt. Right, right. So he's throwing I Malcolm love, at him. 
I love how when they're they're fighting, they're just like getting punched and knocked through the air, and they're like getting knocked like fifty feet in the air <laughs> through buildings, and they're just jumping around. And Eric's really established Malcolm as kind of a guy that really just bounds over buildings, kind of a little different than his father, which you like. I think we talked about that last episode in the beginning of the Savage Dragon series, a younger Savage Dragon, we'd see him jumping up higher and through roofs of buildings and stuff. And as he got older, we saw him less and less kind of jumping as high and, and doing these crazy jump moves and stuff like that. And now we're back at a younger Malcolm and we're seeing that a lot in these past two issues where Malcolm's just leaping incredibly high everywhere and the fights are just getting, you know, guys getting knocked through the air and it's pretty neat. I love, yeah, I love the uh, acrobatic, uh, like all the fight scenes, you know. And man, the the double page splash towards the end, the building <laughs> toss, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so awesome. That is so that great. Is one of the best double page splashes I've ever seen in period. I think it was just awesome. It's like three D. I would say, uh, yeah, the building's all in perspective and stuff. I mean, that just must have been hell to draw. <laughs> so cool, though. I like the scene, you know, well, there's that one panel, which uh, Eric had posted on Facebook before the comic was printed, but the one with Malcolm getting, like, punched through the building while the debris is following him. Right. Mm-hmm. That is an incredible panel. I love, oh, yeah. I love the background with all the buildings and stuff. That's a cool panel, but the physics of it is a little wonky. <laughs> he's like, thinking too hard. I know I am. It's just—it's like he's getting punched by the building. It's like <laughs> if he like get thrown through the building, the debris should be behind him. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jim. Yeah, but I think what's happening is he's getting punched through the building, so everything's coming with him. But yeah. I just found it a little odd that everything behind, there's nothing behind him. Like, he didn't bring any of the wall with him. Yeah, He's that's a bullet. True. You know, like when a bullet tears through something? Yeah. And it's ahead of the trail of, you know, like, watch a super His slide. velocity is just so much faster. It's, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking is that, like, the rubble's just sort of, like, it got hit, so it's flying. But he's traveling from the punch. Right. Yeah, a slow-mo, like, watch a slow-mo video of a bullet being shot through fruit or something. And you'll see exactly the kind of thing I mean. Right. I don't know. Maybe. But, but it's definitely a neat panel. I like all the little details to it. Yeah. I like um I like the setup well, the scene between Malcolm and uh Captain Stewart. And it kind of really explains a lot here where Captain Stewart's like, Hey, you know, basically like told you not to show up around here you're just supposed you know as far as anyone knows you're just listening to a police scanner and doing this all on your own i'm not supposed to be calling in you know a kid to do you know my dirty work and that's (laughs) i think that's an important little bit of dialogue and kind of gives you a little information on what's going on there yeah it helps a lot with the whole uh i'm a teenage bounty hunter thing who works with the cops because obviously that's kind of weird Right, right, right. So it it goes. It's a little dialogue that does a lot. I also like that he tells Malcolm to go take a shower and do his homework, and Malcolm's showering in the next scene. <laughs> it's like, could you just be a little schlubby? <laughs> just 
do as you're told. <coughs> Lamar that's... is funny. Yeah, like, you like yeah. Lamar? I can't stand the guy. <laughs> I think that's the point, though. I know. I think it's the guy that's just kind of gets Malcolm in situations he doesn't want to be in. They always have those kind of like classic characters on sitcoms or movies where, you know, you get the wholesome guy and then the other guy persuades him to do things he shouldn't do or something. Anytime there's like celebrities, you got to have those negative influences in the entourage. And that's what Lamar's shooting for. He wants to like, you know, he doesn't even hide it. Oh, Jesus, he's Malcolm's turtle. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone's watched Entourage. (laughs) Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. He's trying exactly. See, he's he's just trying. He knows he's not famous. He's not the hot stuff. He said these words. He's just hoping to catch them, you know, on the side, little little side droppings. Did you got? You know what kind of stuck out to me when uh, we're looking at this kind of scene? The the, the panel scene. where what's up? The stuff in the apartment. Yeah, in the apartment when the girls and Lamar come over. The the panel where Malcolm just kind of like is just covering his face with his hand, where Epic he's just face like, palm. yeah. <laughs> the the inking on the hand, it's like uh, it's like Eric's trying something a little different. It looks more like Frank Fosco type inks to me than like well, it might be thicker. Larson of late paper, with a yeah, paper. it's just more rounded. It just it look it looks almost like a different inker than I'm used to, but it's I like it. Well, I think usually with hands, he's got the little square finger thing going on. It's more of a shorthand thing because hands aren't central to the composition. But here, where the hand is the center of the composition, it's more detailed, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It just it just looks to me like he's just doing something different with the inks. Maybe it's because he's using the brush or something. Maybe it's like you said because it's more of a central thing. Usually, he does more of a Kirby type thing. To me, this looks like something like to me this looks like Fosco type inks. But and like Jim said though, I love that his face palm consumes his entire head. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Malcolm doesn't have arm hair really yet. I guess. I'm noticing. No, he's not drawn with arm hair at all. Because <laughs> Dragon's a hairy bastard. That's why I bring it up. So. Actually, he's pretty hairless in general. He's got no chest hair. No. No arm hair. I don't know if we've ever seen him grow a beard or mustache yet. Nope. Give it time. Maybe he's just hairless. Well, don't forget, he's only like, what, 14 or 15? Is he? So. I thought I he was like think... 16 or 17. Yeah. I always think oh, he's more maybe like 16. He is now. Maybe he is now. I thought he was like... 14, 15. Oh, wait, no, he's like, yeah, he'd be 16, wouldn't he? Because, like, for a while there, he was 15 years old, but I think that was, like, a year ago. (laughs) Yeah. It's good, though. All the Lamar stuff, even though he's, like, the guy you love to hate, which, I mean, shit, isn't he dead? Yeah, I hope so. I don't know if that's confirmed or not. I mean, Malcolm kind of busts up, like, when that that splash we were talking about with that Bilton's throwing at him. Malcolm kind of like breaks it up as it's kind of heading towards them, and I know the debris falls on a bunch of people, but I don't know if it's ever kind of. Uh, I don't know if we know if these guys are all dead. Not, I see Lamar's just... little arm hanging out half under a thing, so I mean, if yeah. he ain't dead, he's gonna be crippled or something. The yeah. other chick looks dead. Chloe or yeah. whoever he was tossing around. Yeah, well, I think we'll see. Which that's all the motivation he needs for a lightning punch to the head. 
He's yeah, that's a great. That's a great panel. I like that panel. Yeah. I, the, the, awesome. What you mean the throwing the building? Well, that. But I like the lightning punch. Uh, panel. Oh yeah. Well, I want to say this whole bit with Lamar and the girls and the and the building crushing them, almost kind of feels like Malcolm's Debbie Harris moment. Yeah. When yeah. he realizes that people around him can, can get hurt. Right. So you gotta I wonder think... how it's gonna affect him going forward. Yeah, it's it's a powerful scene, you know. It's it. I think for new readers, they, you know, this gives you a taste too of Savage Dragon, where, you know, people aren't safe. You might think that Lamar might be turning into like a supporting cast, and then the next issue he's dead or, you know, terribly hurt. And also, there can be plenty of repercussions where, like, these are teenage kids that are hanging around this other famous teenage kid who has his own place. And, you know, they're all dead. I mean, you know, this things can happen from this moment. So Can't look good. No. <laughs> How about that, uh, this nine-panel page, that the fight scene between Torment and Malcolm? It reminds me of, like, a Kirby nine-panel page, and it's just awesome. Here, more than any other page in the book, which they're great. If you don't really appreciate this stuff, go back and look. Because, I mean, there's thought put into every sound effect. But here, more than anywhere, I really love the work of the different sound effects. Yeah. I mean, the art's off, obviously awesome. So, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> just accept that. And I'm saying that, man, just the different fonts and the shaky, wobbly, and just the power behind, you know, the different, like, choices. Oh, it's good. <laughs> this issue was great. It so was. And, how and then again. And how Go absolutely ahead. crazed does Malcolm look here on the last page? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same shit. Well, I, yeah, I mean, you you know, the, the panel, it's like the camera zooms out and you just see the destruction. And it's just like, wow. You know, it, you really get a picture of what happened when that building fell, when it got tossed. And just, you don't even see any of the bodies. And, and then the, uh, Mr. Glumzit gets mouthy. <laughs> Mr. Glum's it. <laughs> Malcolm. Yeah, pops and he the just pimple. keeps taunting Malcolm. And there, I, I, I heard some speculation online that maybe Malcolm was only frying the bad head. That was my speculation. <laughs> I said, look, he, he grabs the head, the little one. It looks like. Huh. So instead of just, you don't think he's frying torment as a whole. You think he's just frying the the little evil head. Well, you gotta think maybe he'd try that first. So will uh, Torment be all strokey now? <laughs> well, and maybe. he'll be a good guy with like a limp, dead, red little glumzit. <laughs> oh, the things that you can talk about when you start talking about comics. <laughs> That's so great. Glumzit. Just a little dead glumzit. Who knows? That I mean, guy's you a total think, like good guy now. You gotta think that that thing is like what seems to go torment on, who seems to not really have much direction of his own. If I was yeah, Malcolm, the, it's what I'd try first. Well, the little whitehead is like the whitehead is <laughs> <laughs> like the nicest little creature thing. He's all apologetic. So if that thing controlled torment, you would think you'd be a good guy, or even just a total milksop. Milk sop. I love do nothing. I love the the sound effect when he zaps him. Frackazack. Sure it will. Frackazack. <laughs> so good. 
Oh yeah, I just forgot something I wanted to mention. I'm super glad that Malcolm is showing emotion when people are dying around him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Love you see the... a little tear in his eye after everyone gets crushed. It feels much more natural than it did last issue, I guess. Yeah. To me. So that so, yeah. that was the main story. And it was good. good. It's, it's high action. It really, you know, pushed Malcolm's character arc forward, I think. And just good all around action. It just looks good. Yeah. This is the kind of thing, like you said, you want to give this issue to a new reader because I think more than the previous issue, there's just really a lot of like adrenaline pumping stuff. If someone asked me what issue to get in a Savage Dragon right now, I would say this issue. This one. 194. Yeah, it's got the I weird. think it's still new enough that people can get on, and I don't think it's much different than 190, I mean 193. I in also. Terms of, uh, in terms of being new reader friendly. I also just wanted to say that, and I'm sure we're going to naturally praise into this stuff, but like part of the thing that's amazing and great is about this issue is unlike the last one's pinups, um, this one is loaded with backups comics. Actually. Oh yeah. And yeah. That's part of what goes so far to make it so excellent. That is a big part of, uh, you know, this package of Savage Dragon, this, you know, the barbaric and ricochet backup, which is one, two, three, four, five, like what? Six pages long. Yep. Feels like, you know, a whole complete story. It's a, you know, great art. Uh, great story, and the funny section um, is pretty cool too. I mean, it's it's something a little totally different than superhero action, but it's just another added value. Big up to Adam Pruitt for uh, spearheading this project. Um, I think that we had had the conversation in previous vincasts over um, what do we like more in continuity backups or random little funny comics. And I think that the decision was made like mostly that people preferred the incontinuity story. But here you see, we don't have to choose. We can have both. And I always loved, because my Savage Dragon collecting experience was weird. I, I bought a bunch of them just as I could find them, all out of order and stuff. So yeah. it was always really like extra great because you never knew what kind of fun, weird backup thing you were going to find like turtle finds a plane or average dragon i mean that's great yeah right and uh and then you get things like you get to see uh night watchman which was that new that this is a new serial yeah um but it's part you know night watchman was part of big bang comics right i was wondering if it was a reprint of something i I don't think so because he's doing uh, uh, Chris Ecker and Tom King are are doing uh, or or maybe it's just Chris Ecker is doing uh, like a serial on Twitter like a I guess he's doing it on his blog spot but it's just like a digital comic and they're posting it like every three days a new strip on Twitter and his blog so I have to ask. How does it feel to have named Average Dragon? <laughs> it's terrific. I can't even remember if Craig or I came up with that. We were Ooh, trying uh, to come up with the episode title. Wasn't me. That's all I know. It was one of you. Yeah, I think I think I put it together, but yeah, I think I so. Really... I think yeah, I actually believe it was. <laughs> I think you gave me the 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 the, the title card. 
when they're already there. Yeah. I thought I think it's a brilliant name. I think it, it encapsulates what's happened to Dragon perfectly. And yeah, it seems there, to fit. There must be a winner. Who is your favorite strip out of this funny section? Uh, I don't know. I kind of liked. Uh, at, first of all, I didn't understand the Gosh is dead. I loved Gosh is dead. That's the kind of absurd humor I dig. I understood it, but I. What, have, what is it? I don't get you know it. How Tell someone me. says, "Call my dog," like they want you to like say the dog, like "Here, here, boy, here, boy," instead of phone rings. Oh. So. <laughs> I think. Had you had a dog's paw on the phone, or just some nod that the dog was like answering the phone, it would have been a lot clearer and funnier. <laughs> but no, I, I, I still like it. Uh, you know, but <laughs> I had that moment too where I was like, wait a minute, what? Oh. I think it's I just love- a guy saying, call my dog, and then his phone rings. I don't think he, there's any dog at all. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I I love the average dragon, but that has already been posted on the boards for a while. That's true. But if I had seen that for the first time, I thought, I think thought thought I thought that was pretty damn amazing. Um, I did like Misery Love Sherman just because it was a Chris Eliopoulos tale, and it kind of brought me back to when he used to always have his uh, backups. I agree. Well, Sweet. Well, that was that, that's from his webcomic. That he either did or is doing. I don't know if it's still ongoing or not. Hmm. Misery loves Sherman. He did that for a while. It was pretty good in a Calvin and Hobbes kind of way. Yeah. What did you guys think of the um, the backup by uh, Gavin Higginbotham and Scott James of Barbaric and Ricochet? Oh, it was really good, but I'm a big fan of Ricochet as a character. Oh, yeah? So anytime she flies into action, I'm totally down for it. I it's a cool it. little, it's a cool little tale, and that kill crazy villain, I guess, is a creation by, uh, by uh, Gavin and uh, uh, Scott. I thought at first it was a Larson character because there's just so many of them, I can't keep track. But if you look at it, it says it was created by James and Higginbotham. It is a visual feast. This backup, like how yeah. they're in a museum, and the little pictures on the museum actually have some kind of art on them. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. It was cool to see them back in action. You know, it tells a little backstory how their their show was canceled because they're not fatties anymore. Damn it, Glum. Just <laughs> <laughs> the Glum fit. worked them too hard, and now they're back fit, and they want to be heroes again. So it looks like they're going. Well, the big bomb shell. Apparently, they've, apparently they've got kids now that we've never seen. Oh, exactly. No, we've seen we've seen their kids, haven't Have we? we? Yeah. We've seen him at least as a baby. Oh, I don't recall. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about more than one. We've at least seen one oh, of them. Oh, well, she, that's right. She had a baby in the Image universe. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. That was after they got married. Yeah. That baby's gone. Well, she might have had it again in this, I don't know, in this universe. I don't I don't remember. I have no memory of their kids. <laughs> I don't think we've been introduced to the their post-Savage World children. I, I don't think we have. I love the idea of a big, red, super strong, bouncy baby. 
Yeah, there you go. Hopefully that's how that goes. But it was, it was a great backup. I love seeing these type of backups. Everything was amazing. That is why this issue was like 11 out of 10. Absolutely killer opening. 150% awesome backup material. It was just off the hook. This issue was great. Yes, agree. As I read totally. it, I was just a grinning idiot the whole time. Yeah, I especially since we kind of panned the last issue and I felt bad about it just to be able to see a lot, it's like a 180 like it just bounced back it went from being an issue that you know i wasn't i was less than happy with to an issue that i was ecstatic about right so, so there you go you never you know savage dragon if you don't like the issue stick around the next issue you'll you'll love <laughs> and i think it's a testament too to what we've talked about where it's like you know with these ongoing series i mean it ain't up to 194 on accident Right. I mean, you know, if if you don't love the issue that you just read, there's a good reason why the book's been around so long. Give it time, it's probably getting somewhere with things. Right, right. Totally agree. So should we uh, talk about the next episode? Oh, uh, you know what? Can I just say a disclaimer? I am super sick, super sick, so you don't get movie voice this time. Oh, I, I, I'm like, this is the most pathetic. <laughs> you sound so disappointed. I am really disappointed, actually. <laughs> God damn it. It's like when the roommate wanted to sleep with Mighty Man. Remember? <laughs> like, oh, it's like if you put on lingerie. No, wait, that was something else. Mm. At any rate, I'll try to put some uh, spunk on it as much as this. Give us a little oomph. As, as, as much as this crippling disease of mine will allow. All right, here goes. Savage Dragon. 195. It's hard enough being a 17-year-old kid, but when you're juggling schoolwork, dating, and fighting a deadly menace hell-bent on leveling the city of Chicago, well, you just entered the world of the all-new, all-different Savage Dragon. Malcolm Dragon's on the run, and his girlfriend, Maxine Lai, is caught in the crossfire. Tune in next time. Sweet. (laughs) So, I'm excited for more Maxine. Me too. Bring that girl back. Just excited for more Dragon, and I hope uh, he continues on this path of this last issue. It'll just be amazing. (laughs) Somewhere Dave Sim sweats. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. But maybe he does. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks. See you next time. See ya. The Savage Vincast is hosted by the Gutter Trash Podcast Network which can be found at guttertrash.net. The Savage Fincast is proud to be members of the Comic Addiction family of podcasts and the Comics Podcast Network, which can be found at comicaddiction.net and comicspodcast.com. Ah!